You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. David, we have like stuff to talk about, like real life, actual stuff that is involving the Buccaneers and their players and being in the building. Yeah, it's, it's like I said yesterday, we were going to talk about football today. Like there's stuff that happened and I'm excited. Football season's right around the corner. Did you keep muting yourself so you can't respond to my back and forth? No, I'm I'm very excited too. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm very excited too. I think it's you know it's it's good to see those guys get back and work a little bit. I mean, it's it's not a whole lot of work. It's a little bit of work. I mean, well, probably compared to the average person's day, it's a lot of work. But uh, you know, Mike kind of talked about it, just, just seeing everybody and getting back into the building and, and, you know, getting together, uh, it, it felt good for him. I think it felt good for really everybody. I'm sure the media members, uh, there in Tampa were more than happy to, to sit in a press conference and talk to actual players and all that stuff, instead of talking to coaches about what might or might not happen with players and talk to prospects about what might or might not happen if they do or don't get drafted by the Buccaneers. You know what I mean? It's, it's really the first time in 2019 that we get to kind of attach to something that is tangible and talk about things that could actually happen, you know, like Mike Evans playing press corner. Yeah, that's a thing. I thought it was an April Fool's thing. That's a real thing that, according to Vernon Hargraves, Mike Evans has been talking about every single year. Yeah. I mean, it, it, apparently it's a thing that he thinks he can do. Whether or not we ever actually see it happen, I, I don't think. I don't think we should expect to see that happen anytime soon. I want to see it happen week one. Mike Evans lined up opposite Michael Thomas. Make this happen. I think fourth, Drew Brees also wants to see that happen. Fourth quarter, two minute drill. Mike Evans lined up on Michael Thomas. Yeah. Drew Brees and, and Sean Payton also want to see that happen. Those are the things legends are made of. Uh, that's something. I would, I and I would love to hear what happens in that post game handshake when Mike Evans gets the game winning interception. Yeah, I mean it's it's really a no lose situation for Mike because if it doesn't work, everybody's just going to destroy Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians for letting it happen. If it works, then Mike Evans is just going to enter a whole other echelon of legend as a buccaneer so if if they were to call on him in that situation he would have no reason but to accept the challenge i guess yeah i i would be intrigued to see it happen maybe not with the game on the line but in an actual game i would like to see it happen in some capacity but we have a couple of quotes that that you've kind of pulled from today's press conferences of course mike evans vernon hargraves and new buccaneer uh shaq barrett all graced the Bucks media with their presence and we're chatting at the podium. So um, what, uh, what, what do we have coming up first here, David? So first we got Mike Evans, all pro pro bowl corner. 
Yes, I'm pretty sure it was Greg Allman that asked this question, but we've got a quote here from Mike Evans that we're going to talk about. All right. Mike, you guys had such good depth at receiver last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be without Hump now and be without Deshaun, how confident are you on the guys that will step up and first shot join it? Just the overall depth of the group now. Yeah, we, I, we, I was out there now looking at the guys. We still got there's a lot of the pieces we had last year. Uh, we lost D-Jack and Hump was big big blows for us, but we have a lot of playmakers. We already had a lot of playmakers before at the tight end position and running back position. And then we got Brashard and then the draft's coming up. So we, we're going to be one of the best receivers, receiver groups in the league again this year. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, just looking forward to it. Uh, a couple new guys, but same goal. Yeah, I mean it... – I don't know. It's one of those questions where, you know, what what is he supposed to say? Like, oh, well, we lost D-Jax and Hump, so we're going to suck. No, I mean, they still have talent there. And, and David, we've talked about this group a lot. And and you can even throw the, the tight ends in, you know, as those receiving weapons. You know, Godwin, this is his shot now. This is his opportunity to emerge and to really shine. We've seen we've seen the flashes when he's had his opportunities and you know, we've we've been saying constantly that he's going to be the solid number two receiver opposite Mike Evans for years to come. You know, the the TJ Hushmanzada to his Chad Ochocinco. So yeah, I, I don't I don't think Evans is is just saying it to say it. I, I think the Buccaneers truly do have one of the more talented receiving cores in the NFL, even without D. Jackson Humphreys. I think Bashad Perryman is going to add that that deep threat that they're missing with Deshaun Jackson gone. Hopefully he and Jameis can get more on the same page than the Jameis and Deshaun Jackson ever were. But I mean they're not they're not void of talent by any means. And as he said, you know, they're still the draft. You know, they could take a, a receiver in the the second or third round and really beef up this core. I mean, why not DK Metcalf at five? DK Metcalf at five? Anybody? No. Anybody? All right. Well, I figured I'd throw it out there. You know, there's somebody listening that just clapped their hands and went, finally, somebody is saying the Bucks need DK Metcalf. You know it's happening. I don't think so. It, it's somebody wants to, I promise you. But yeah, I mean, it's it's the first day of, of being back in the building and, you know, the Bucks have what they have and what they have in the receiving group is still, a you know, one heck of a of a group of of players and and a lot of talent there. Right. Mike Mike is absolutely correct. You know, the, the they they've still got plenty of talent on the roster and some some Bucks fans even kind of brought this up to me when earlier in the offseason I was talking about how the wide receiver position was going to become a position of need. Not saying it was going to become a number 1 need, but it was going to become a position of need and again, kind of like what we talked about uh when when JC was on with us is, you know, Following the final game of the season, had you looked at me and said rank the team needs by position group, linebacker would have been near the bottom. Well, so would a wider, so would have wide receiver. However, now you know, turn the page a couple months, and suddenly wide receiver was definitely more of a need. Bringing in Perryman helps with that because at the end of the day, I mean, let's if we're if we're all being being fair about the situation. How big of a threat was the connection between Jameis Winston and Deshaun Jackson on a scale of like one to 10, with 10 being, you know, really great and one being no threat at all? Five. Like a five, right? I'll, I'll go with, I'll go with five. How big of a threat is Brashad Perryman and, and Jameis Winston going to be on paper and, you know, until we see it actually come to fruition? Expect expectations. What, mm-hmm. like a three? Yeah. 
You're probably looking at like a three, maybe a four if you're really optimistic. So, I mean, the drop off there and and actual and what and what you're expecting from the connection between Perryman and Winston. I know somebody's going to get mad about me saying that because this is Brashad Perryman, not Deshaun Jackson. But the bottom line is, and this is kind of something we talked about already, it didn't work between Jackson and Winston. It doesn't matter how talented Deshaun Jackson is. It's it's kind of like, you know, uh, you look at Terrell Owens. It doesn't matter how talented Terrell Owens was and how good Tony Romo could have been or was or whatever. It didn't work out. The Eagles got to the Super Bowl. At the end of the day, it didn't matter that they got to the Super Bowl. Personalities didn't didn't work for the situation they were in. And obviously, they didn't get a ring until, until much, much later. It took a backup quarterback to get them a ring. But it's just it's just another page in the long line of of situations in the NFL, not just with the Buccaneers, where some of it is personality driven, some some of it is effort driven. Something that we heard from Rashad Perryman that we never heard from Deshaun Jackson is the willingness to put in maximum effort to make this situation and his opportunity in Tampa Bay work. Deshaun Jackson never wanted to do that. Deshaun Jackson wanted the situation in Tampa Bay to work for him versus him making the most of the situation. And when that didn't happen, he's going to take his talents back to Philly where again he's going to he's expecting the situation in Philly to work for him versus him working for the situation in Philly and I'm not 100% confident it's going to work out all that well but that's for them them to worry about not us back to Mike's point there's talent across the field what did Deshaun Jackson bring to the field the ability to stretch the field what does Brashad Perryman bring to the field the ability to stretch the field of course there's the caveat if he can stay healthy We'll, we'll see. You know what I mean? He stayed healthy in Cleveland last year for the time that he was there. Hopefully, you know, we asked him on the show if if he was 100% healthy. He said yes. So hopefully that sticks around a little bit. And and again, this isn't pickup basketball. Like nobody's, you know, playing the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints defense isn't going to look at Brashad Perryman and say, that guy, oh, he, he he hasn't done much since he came out of college. Don't worry about him. Just let him run. That's That's not going to happen. You have a speed threat. They're going to have to cover for that, which means they're going to have to keep their safeties deep, which means they're going to have to keep their their corners off off of uh, or in off coverage to to make up for that speed, which is going to open up room underneath, or it's going to take coverage out of the out of the box, so to speak, which is going to open up things over the middle for guys like OJ Howard, Cam Brake, Chris Godwin out of the slot, Mike Evans, what have you. And when you don't have Perryman on the perimeter, you're going to have Godwin in the perimeter, and you still have Bobo Wilson, and you still have Justin Watson who. Uh, a lot of people are super high on, but you know we'll see. We'll see what comes with those guys when they have their opportunity. Because obviously, just like Coach Arian says, they're going to have opportunities. So the chance to do something will be there. We'll just see if they can make it happen. And we still have the draft coming up, so you know definitely don't don't put put away the wide receiver group yet. There's definitely a potential for a wide receiver to be drafted. I don't think I'd probably put money on a day two wide receiver being drafted. More likely a day three, but if the right day two receiver is sitting there. And they're they're on the clock, you know, whether they gain another pick or they move back in the second round for whatever reason. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could draft a wide receiver in the third round or the, even the second round, depending on you know how the how the chips all fall. So the wide receiver group is good as is good as it is. However, when you look at Bruce Arians, how much he's focused on making sure that Jameis Winston has the maximum opportunity to succeed, I I definitely don't put it out of the realm of possibility that they're going to draft another wide receiver. And then when you look at the the second wave of free agency that comes after the draft, and teams kind of let go of some some veteran talent because of who they drafted, there's always the potential that someone who gets let go uh, from a team will be scooped up by Jason Light and the Buccaneers in the uh, in the aftermath. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, it's it's not about the 
nobody's questioning the fact that Deshaun Jackson is a more talented player than Brashad Perryman you know, at the moment. That's not saying that Perryman can't emerge later on and, and really become a complete player. But right now, today, Deshaun Jackson is more talented than Brashad Perryman. Mm-hmm. However, the, the chemistry is the key factor. And yeah, there's exactly. no chemistry between the quarterback and the receiver, then it makes both of them look bad. If if Winston and, and Perryman have a connection like we've seen him have with Humphreys in the past and Cameron Brait and, you know, Perryman could blow up. The Bucks could have 3,000-yard receivers. So, you know, it, it just – it's going to take time to to wait and see how the two of them gel. But, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what this group can do because I don't think – I don't think the loss of Deshaun Jackson really in the end is even a big deal at all. I think the loss of Humphreys is a little – a little bigger of a blow, but let's um, let's go ahead and move on to to the next one that you have. And what do we have next? Vernon Hargraves. He was was he chatting it up a little bit? Is that who we have on deck? No, we're going to Shaq. We're going to Shaq. We're going to the new guy, the newbie. All right. This team is undergoing a scheme change. They've been a four three team. Obviously, Todd runs a three four. You've been in that. Mm-hmm. For people that maybe don't see that every day, just describe what you mean, some of the advantages of of, of, of that alignment. I love the 3-4. I've been 3-4 pretty much my whole career, except like one year in college. So I've been comfortable with it for a long time. And then just having like the pass rushers who can also play the run game and who can also cover on the edge to like set the edge of the defense. It just gives us so much more stuff that we could do in the inside with blitzes and with safeties coming down and everything. It's just I just love this game a lot. And Coach Bowles, I talked to him a couple times he showed me some of the stuff that he'd been working on and drawing up when I did the visit and it's gonna it's gonna be some fun it's gonna be a lot of fun this year yeah I uh I really liked a lot of what I heard Shaq say today you know that included it in a lot of Buccaneers fans I mean they're the they're familiar with a 3-4 from having watched it but not as familiar as watching their own team run it and all the capabilities that they have one of the things that I thought was funny Shaq seems like a funny dude but one of the things that he kept talking about was someone had asked him which side he's more comfortable lining up on. And he said that he had always been more comfortable on the left, but when you're lining up with Von Miller, then you know, Von gets his choice. So he ended up lining up on the right side, you know, most of the time and, and Miller got got his choice. But yeah, I think the scheme is gonna be beneficial in a lot of facets. It's gonna it's gonna allow Todd Bowles to do some creative things, kind of mask a little bit of the weaknesses and really take advantage of some of the strengths and you know the different packages they can put together, the way they can shift guys around. You could see JPP or NASA line up as the three, four DNs on one play and then drop back and and be outside linebackers on the next play. Yeah, there's there's so many different things you can do when you have all those versatile players like the Bucks do at, at the moment. And of course that'll that'll continue to change, you know, with the with the draft coming up and and as you mentioned, the second wave of free agency. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how this defense really comes together. And and I think Todd Bowles is one heck of a defensive coordinator and I'm really excited to see what he can do with the talent on this team. I think I mean I think that's really what it boils down to is what is Todd Bowles going to do with this team versus what we saw previously. Uh, until then, I mean, it's it's kind of like you know the last the previous couple of years. I mean, we we can have talent throughout throughout the roster if if the scheme and and the coaching doesn't fit and it doesn't maximize the abilities of those players, then it's not going to matter. Um, I have a lot of confidence in Coach Bowles, and 
I do believe that he's going to be able to get a good product out of the defense. Something that uh, was was talked about during Vernon's press conference, I know we're not there yet, but just because it kind of came up, is the fact that Todd Bowles, Jason Light, they haven't really touched uh, the secondary, the defense, as much as maybe people thought they would or in the secondary mainly. I mean, really, outside of Shaq and, and Kentrell Bryce, there really hasn't been a whole lot of additions to this group. Uh, Damon Buchanan obviously is, is in there. But I think that's because we're about to see a whole lot of youthful energy brought in to the mix. And, and you notice a, a trend, right? These are all guys who are kind of looking for that opportunity. Kentrell Bryce is looking for that opportunity to prove that he can be a full-time starter in the NFL. Shaq Barrett said that you know one of the key things that brought him to Tampa Bay was the fact that when he talked to them, he said, listen, we're going to have you, we're going to have this guy, we're going to have this guy. Whichever one of you wins is going to win. We're going to put the best guy on the field. And that's all he wanted to hear was that he has a chance to win a starting job. Uh, you, you look at Vernon Hargraves and they're talking about, we think that he can play outside you know, versus inside because he's got the skill set and he's excited about that. But if he needs to play inside, the, the trend that's starting to, to come out from this team is whatever we need to do is what we're going to do to win. And there are some very specific instances in the last version of this roster where you had players who were not willing to do whatever needed to be done to win. But at the same time, these players are getting comments from their coaches already before they're even stepping on the field of support and of ideas and of strategy, right? You talk, you heard Shaq talk about when he's just on the phone with Coach Bowles. Like they're not even in the same room looking at film yet, but he's on the phone talking about some things that Coach Bowles is already drawing up for this defense. And you heard him, right? Like, oh, man, it's going to be really fun. It's going to be really exciting. This is a guy who hasn't even seen – like, this is a dude who's planning his road trip and hasn't even seen the wheels yet. You know what I mean? Uh, that's that's something that this team was missing. We, again, just kind of the differences between if I had the answers, I would give them to you and we wouldn't be in the situation versus we really like so-and-so and we're going to figure out how to make him better and we're going to figure out how to use him to the best of his ability. That's just those those seem like very simple differences. Um, but believe me, I've been around long enough. I know you've been around long enough in life to know that that's that's not a quality you find in every single person. No. And and that was one of the reasons, you know, when he signed that, you know, David, when we talked about it, we were excited that, that he was coming on board. So I'm I'm real excited to see what what Shaq's going to be able to do. And and yeah, when you when you started talking about the secondary, I started thinking about a, a lot of the things that Hargrave said, and I I don't think I could have loved the Hargraves press conference any more than I did because he was just yeah you know, as as honest and down to earth as as you could have expected for a guy that has missed the last two seasons because of injury. He knows he's been disappointing uh, as far as his production you know, in early on in, in his career, especially for a first round draft pick. So why don't we go ahead and hear what, what Hargraves had to say and uh, touch on that a little bit. One of the things he said was that the Bruce Arians is that, <clears throat> look, I, I know Vernon can play outside and press corner and I can mm-hmm. call him on the other side. Mm-hmm. And he's inclined to, and I know you'll do whatever he asks, to right. not move you in the slot and say, right. look, we'll find somebody to play in the right. slot. Let's, we got to cover corner. How much would that be a relief for you if, if in fact, they say, you're just going to play outside? Just, just do that. <laughs> Man, that's, that's great. That would be awesome. I, I like playing inside. I, I, I didn't do it before my rookie year. But when I got drafted here, they kind of were testing guys out. And I, I mean, I just happened to be the best, you know, truth be told. 
so they moved me inside and you know it was just like I said I'm a football player I don't care I don't I don't care what I do like like you said I, I don't care where they put me at you know as long as I'm playing but back to your question playing outside is what I want to do that's what I do and uh you know smiling I can't I mean it's I don't have words for it I don't know you know I don't know why coach Arians feels that way about me but I love it like you know he doesn't know me he doesn't have to say anything about me you know but um you know I love it he's that's that confidence that I need that's that confidence that we need as a secondary and uh you know we're excited the whole group is yeah and one of the one of the other things that Hargrave said that wasn't on that recording was you know when Mike Smith came in Hargraves had mentioned you know they were talking about what they were going to be doing with the corners and he said you know I was just like yeah man whatever I'm just going to line up and play corner well playing press man is a lot different than playing off and he goes I I'm a press man corner I'm not I, I don't play off corner. I don't play that kind of coverage. So it it was a struggle for me. So he's no. going back to something he's familiar with. He's got a coach that basically unprovoked has vouched for him and said, look, this is my guy. And I know a lot of Bucks fans were up in arms and rolling their eyes. That, oh, Hargrave sucks at outside corner. He needs to be on the inside. And and what are they doing? We're going to suck again. We're only going to win one game, and we're going to give up eight thousand points a game. And, you know all the all the overreactions. But if you go back and you look, whether he was inside or outside, when Hargraves got to play that press coverage, he was much better. That's why he performed better on the inside because when you were when 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 he was on the inside, he was playing that press coverage. On the outside, he was playing these zone coverages and just getting eaten alive because the the entire scheme was just a mess. But when he's gotten up on the line and played that press coverage, he's been a solid corner. So going into the season, he knows that's his job. He knows the coaches are confident in his abilities. He's more confident in his abilities. The big thing for him is just to stay healthy. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you what. So that comment by Vernon really kind of struck a chord with me. And a good uh, chord or a bad chord? A little bit of both. So it, it made me happy in the sense that because I agree with you, because Vernon looked 10 times better in the slot than he did on the perimeter in, in previous years that we've seen him when he was healthy. And I agree with you, too, that the main reason was because he was up in the receiver's face and he was being the aggressor, because that's that's always the big thing. When you when you talk about pass coverage, and you talk about defeating a defense as a wide receiver. It's one person is going to be the aggressor. Vernon Hargraves is a cornerback who's going to win by attacking his opponent versus winning uh, by mirroring him or, or reading him or being able to react to what uh, the receiver is doing. Receivers have a given advantage. This is why I prefer this type of defense that we're talking about versus what we've seen in the in recent years with the Buccaneers is because you already, as a defense, have a disadvantage. Only one side of the ball knows what's about to happen with the ball, and that's the offense, obviously. So as a defender, you're already at a disadvantage. Anybody outside the trenches is, is at a huge disadvantage already from just from the snap of the ball. In order to level that playing field, you have to be an attacker. You have to knock players off their line. You have to delay their release. You have to do everything you possibly can to interrupt the plan. Because once you interrupt the plan, now neither of you knows what's about to happen with the ball. Because if I, as a quarterback, am supposed to hit a receiver on a slant three seconds or three steps into my drop, and when I hit that third step, that receiver is not even close to getting into that break. Now nobody knows what's happening with the ball. So now we're on an even playing field. Now it's mano a mano, who's going to beat who, and that's where your pass rushing at home 
so on and so forth. Seeing Vernon Hargraves play like that really was was what caused all those comments of, you know, he shouldn't be playing on the outside. And in that defense, he shouldn't have been playing on the outside. He showed that we 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 were right to say that kind of thing. However, here's what made me mad about it. When Mike Smith was asked, why is Vernon Hargraves playing so far off? Why is Vernon Hargraves playing off coverage? I mean, guys, people in the media don't know more about football than the people in the rooms coaching and scheming. That's not how this is supposed to work, right? But he was asked by members of the media, why isn't Vernon playing closer to the line, playing in press coverage? It seems like he's better when he's playing in press. And what did Mike Smith say? Well, he did he said, say something like, it's up to the players? Yes. We oh. don't tell them how to line up. We only tell them the coverage, whether they play off or press is up to them. Well, Vernon Hargraves was told, as a perimeter defender, play how you're comfortable. He just said, his scouting report showed, his time in Florida showed, that he's better impressed than he is in off coverage. Yet he was playing off coverage as, an, as a perimeter defender under Mike Smith's defense. And Mike Smith is talking about, we let them make that decision. Well, if he lets them make that decision, it seems to me that Vernon Hargraves probably would have been playing in press, which means he's either being told to play off coverage or he's being told you have no safety help, you have no top coverage, which puts him in a, in a disadvantage so he feels less confident in coming up closer because he doesn't he knows he doesn't have any help over top of him. Either way, again, we're talking about a scheme. We're talking about coaching that didn't maximize their players' talents. They wanted players to fit what they wanted versus wanting to do what fit their players. And it just it, it strikes a nerve with me because it's something's not being said. I know, don't get me wrong, guys. I understand coaches are never going to tell us the whole story, but there's a difference between holding back information and just saying the wrong crap. Like sitting here saying that a corner who prefers to be impressed is allowed to be impressed if they want, while this cornerback literally, I mean, he basically just came out and said, we're finally going to be able to play ball the way we know how to play ball. And that's not what Mike Smith was allowing them to do. But Mike Smith was sitting here saying that wasn't his, his I don't know. Do you see where I'm going with this? Like, that's the nerve it struck with me when I heard it. Again, I, I've never been in the rooms. I've never been in the meetings. So I don't know exactly what was said or how it was said or how it was interpreted, whatever. All I know is we have a cornerback who we all agree looks better in press, who just came out and said, I'm a press corner. That's what I do best. And then we and we go back to last year. We go back to the year before when he was struggling. We have a defensive coordinator who said it was on the player. And again, it just boils down to, you know, if I had the answer, we would fix it or I would know it. And, and we're, we have who we have. It's on the player. Like, if you're not noticing the biggest, JC talked about it, right? This is not the same Buccaneers. There's a totally different atmosphere in the building. And you've got coaches. Vernon Hargrave said it himself. I don't know why Bruce Arians is saying all these things about me. He doesn't have to say them. You're, you're right. He doesn't have to say them. What he's doing is showing his players that he's got their back and that he's he's there for them, that this is this is not we're here, you're over there, let's see if we can make this work. No, this is we're all in this thing together to get an effing ring, and we're gonna do what we need to do to make that happen. You're not alone. When things go south, Bruce Arians isn't gonna sit there and say, Well, Vernon Hargraves made the decision that Vernon Hargraves made. No, it's gonna be a team effort. It's gonna be, well. The coaches probably could have put him in a better situation, but in the situation he was in, he probably should have done this. Boom. Now ownership is on both sides of the ball or both sides of the, of the process. It's on the scheming and planning, and it's on the execution versus the previous regime where, let's be honest, it was mostly on the execution, and it was laid at the feet of the players. I just 
when you hear a player talk like that, that right there just kind of speaks volumes as to what the problem was uh, exiting 2018. All right. Well, David, the the last thing that we're going to touch on really quick as we are up against the clock is, of course, the big story that, uh, well, some are making it a big story. I think it's kind of a I'm not surprised kind of move is the fact that Gerald McCoy was not there. And usually, you know, he's one of the first ones in the building when these kind of things start. You know, I think these these rumors that he's out the door or on the trade block or whatever are are really starting to show through with the fact that that he's not there. We've we've been saying all offseason that we didn't think Gerald McCoy was coming back. Uh, many other people have said they don't think Gerald McCoy is coming back. Uh, Rick Shroud himself, who's the one who reported earlier this offseason that Gerald McCoy was coming back, also came out and said that, no, in fact, Gerald McCoy is not coming back. So it really just kind of supports that whole thing. Yeah, I, I don't know what else. I mean, I don't I don't think it boils down to some – I was reading something earlier that, like, you know, Coach Arians kind of questioned whether or not Gerald was really as committed as he used to be or should be to making this thing happen and making the team better and all this other stuff. And the fact that he didn't show up kind of shows that. I don't think that Gerald McCoy feels like he has to prove anything to Coach Arians because I think the decision is pretty much already done. I mean, there's been so many examples over the over the offseason to show that Gerald McCoy and, and this team really aren't aren't seeing eye to eye right now uh, from from everything we can we can gather so not not really surprised i would have been 10 times more surprised had he actually shown up <laughs> all right well that's going to be it for this episode we will be back on thursday with more uh more more football to talk about is that what we're going to talk about thursday is football yeah we're going to talk about football and, and probably some buccaneer stuff that sounds like an excellent episode i know i want to tune in and listen I think it'll be pretty solid. <laughs> but until then, make sure you're checking out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you're sending us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. We would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks. And I-